church of Corinth. And he uh, starts out there in verse 1 and said, Brethren, when I came to you, I came not with excellent speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus and him crucified. And for I, uh, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration, say demonstration, of the spirit and of power. Amen. Uh, He said, "I, I didn't have it all together. I know I didn't say it eloquently and I didn't have all the words down, but he said, I came to you not to in uh, to. Uh, for your approval on how I said a thing. He said, I came to you to demonstrate in power what God had placed within me. Amen. And then he goes on and he said uh, in verse uh, 7, but, the we, the, but we speak in the wisdom of God in mysteries, even hidden wisdom, uh, which God ordained before the world unto our glory which none of the princes of this world knew, for they had, they, had they known, it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Isn't that something? And then in verse number 9, But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, neither have it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. But God, but God, that conjunction, eyes not seen, ears not heard, neither is it entered into the heart of the man, the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of the God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know that which is uh, freely given unto us of God. Which things we also, we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but with which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Amen. I want to talk to you tonight on this thought. It's not what you had, it's what you got. It's not what you had, but it's what you got. Uh... There have been a lot of people uh, through the years that have encounters with God. People who have uh, in times past heard God's voice clearly, uh, received divine direction and divine order from God. They've enjoyed personal encounters and intimacy with God and and was really uh, God breathed upon them and, and gave them life and gave them strength and gave them hope. And it's awesome to have a personal relationship with God. There is nothing that can take the place of having a personal relationship with God. Can you say amen? Amen. 
we could go around this room tonight, no doubt, and, and have testimony service here on this Wednesday night, and we could remember the experiences that each of us have had with God in days past. Amen. Our, our past experiences are the anchor of hope in difficult times. It is what reminds us that God has never failed us, that he has been faithful to us. And if he has been faithful up to now, there's no reason for me to doubt or to think that God has changed his mind now. Amen. That what he has done, he is still doing. Praise God. He will do for us now what he has done in the past. And so we look and we see that our past experiences with God builds momentum with God. It is David that stood and said to when his brothers were afraid of the enemy that, that we don't have to worry here. And they said, put on Saul's armor. We can talk a lot about that, but I won't spend time tonight there. But put on Saul's armor. He said, I can't use what I have not already proven. But he takes what he has proven, what has worked in his past, and brings it into his now, and he begins to operate in what he knows God has enabled him and empowered him to do. And so as he begins to flow in that, he brings with him into the now his past. While they were talking, to, trying to talk him out of going before the, uh, the giant, he begins to speak to them about the God that is has been faithful in days past and says the same God that delivered me from the hand of the bear and the paw of the lion is the same God that now is going to deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Amen. It was momentum that began to build from his past experience that he brought into his present and said that God that has before is going to do it for me now. Amen. And I thank God for every experience that I've had with him. I thank God for salvation. I thank God for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I thank God when he has healed my body. I thank God when I've called upon him for my children and he has heard me in the time of my need and answered my prayer. I give him praise and glory for it tonight because if it had not been for the Lord on my side, my enemies would have already devoured me. But I stand here tonight a testimony against the devil because if he could have killed me, he had already done it. But there's God greater in me than the world that has come against me. Come on and give him some kind of praise tonight. Hallelujah. You see, if you're, but, and, and I want to rejoice in that for a moment, but I also want to put with that, if we are not careful, our past will become our present downfall. If we are not careful, our past will become our present downfall. Now you say, Pastor, how could it be? You just talked about. But you see, sometimes failure is not your enemy. Sometimes success is your enemy. Because we have succeeded in days past, we feel as though now that we don't need God's help. Come on, somebody. Amen. We think that because we have accomplished the thing in days past that now we know how to do a thing. And so therefore we don't have to lean upon God. But how many has ever faced something you've never faced before and know how you lean in on God? 
You trust him. You pray. You seek his face. You give up food. You do whatever you need to do because you need God desperately and you understand you need God in your life. And so therefore, we don't matter. It doesn't matter what it takes. We just lean in on God and say, God, whatever it takes, I need you to come in to this situation and move in my life. And and he's faithful to do it, right? But you see, sometimes we we forget that the price that was paid, we forget that it was us partnering with God that caused us to have the victory. And sometimes our success becomes our, our past, becomes the stumbling block of our now. And we have to remember what got us there. Amen. Let me talk to married folk. If you want to stay married, you've got to do whatever it took to get them to keep them. Right? I mean, don't be buying no roses when you're courting if you ain't going to buy them later. You ladies missed a good place to amen. I mean, you know, if you ain't going to, you know, date them and take them out every once in a while and, and call them and tell them how much you love and appreciate them. Amen. I don't, you, you, then you, if that's what it's going to take to get them, that's what it's going to take to keep them. So, so don't start nothing you ain't going to keep on doing. Amen. Glory to God. Well, I'll get on out of there. Praise God. But you see, we have to understand that in the spirit. That we don't, we did, he that begun a good work. He said, you started running, but what has hindered you? You started well, but what, what, what about now? Amen. And sometimes when this journey, whenever we know we need God, we lean in on him so strongly. But as after we walk for a while, we, we start letting up and we think we've got the tiger by the tail. We think that we've got it all under control and, and maybe we don't need to pray so much. And maybe we don't need so much word and maybe we don't need to go to church so much. Come on, somebody. But you see, what we have to understand is what got us to where we are. If we're going to remain in that place, we've got to continue what got us there. Amen. And it is that relationship with God. It is that experience with him. It is that hunger that David said, as a deer panteth after the water's brook, yet my soul is longing after you, God. It's that panting. It's that desiring. It's that place that you say, God, I don't understand it all. I don't comprehend you. I don't know you. I haven't figured you out and I'm still hungry for you. Glory to God. Amen. And I'm telling you today that if the Lord allows me to live and keep on preaching to this weekend, June the 28th, I'll be preaching 30 years. But I want to tell you tonight that I'm as stupid as I've ever been. I don't know how to pastor. I don't know anything in the word. The more I study, the dumber I feel. Why? Because I see more of God today than I've ever seen before. And there's something inside of me that tells me there's so much more that I'm yet to know. There's so much more yet to comprehend. And I want to be like David as a deer pants for the water's brook. I want to long after you. I want to seek after you. I want to desire you that you come and fulfill this passion and desire in my life. Amen. See, if you're not careful, our past will become our present hindrance. Judges chapter 6. If 
you want to turn there with me, it's the story of Samson, right? Excuse me, 16. Everybody happy tonight? 16. And we see the story here of Samson, a man that has power with God and with man. In verse 6, it says, And Delilah said to Samson, Tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth, and wherein uh, thou might might, uh, be afflicted. And Samson said unto her, If you bind me with these seven green uh, twigs, he said, that have never been dried, he said, I'll become as weak as any other man. He goes on in verse 9, and and that didn't work. And so he comes back and says, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He breaks the twigs. Verse 9, she comes again and binds him with chambers. And and says, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He jumps up and he breaks the cords. It goes on in verse 11 and said unto her, If you bind me fast with new ropes that have never occupied and... uh, then I shall become as weak as another man. And Delilah took the ropes and bound him therewith and said, Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he, he, he broke those ropes. And then he goes on in verse 16. And said, it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that her soul was vexed unto death, that he told her all his heart and said unto her that There has not come a razor to my head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I have shaven, then my strength will have come, uh, will go for me, and I shall become weak like any other man. She calls and says to the Philistines leaders, he has told me all that is in his heart. They come in, they cut the locks from his hair, and, and he says that the Philistines are upon you once again. And he shakes himself, and the Bible said that he wished not that the power or the glory had not departed from him. He continued to walk in the favor of covenant, even though he was flirting with the devil. How many know God's grace is greater than we can even fathom? His grace, his canopy of grace, his umbrella of grace and mercy is more than we can comprehend. And I stand here tonight thankful for that. But sometimes we take it so much for granted until we begin to assume that what we are doing is okay. When it's really not okay, it's the grace and the mercy of God that's covering us for a season so that we can come back into a right relationship where God can bless us. How many know God's awesome like that? He'll he'll love us and he'll give us things that that we aren't even deserving of. Have you ever got anything you really didn't deserve? But here in Judges, Samson kept flirting with the enemy. He kept flirting with this idea that he could go on his own strength and his own power. He came to the place where he himself became so um, bold and arrogant 
that he said, I'll go out and shake myself as other times before. He said, "This I've done this before and I went and shook myself and the power of God was there. But you see, this time was different because before he was just talking and, and telling tales and, 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 and uh, going on with the enemy. But now he tells where his real source is. Amen. He tells the verse 17 tells this story here. And it tells us in verse 17 that he told her his heart and said unto her that I'm a, a Nazarite and my head has never uh, a razor come. And he said, I've been a Nazarite from my mother's womb. I've never shaven my head. Amen. And so what we are seeing here is that his strength was not something that, that you could see with the natural eye. He did not look like Hercules. If he looked like Hercules, they would have said, let's stop him from going to the gym for a month and we can take him out. They didn't, they, but they had to ask him, where does your strength come from? That tells me he looked just like the ordinary person walking on the street, but he was empowered. He had a secret and now he tells his secret. What does he tell? He tells this woman, uh, Delilah, where his strength is. He said, I'm in covenant. Did you get that? I'm in covenant. What kind of covenant? I, I have a covenant, a Nazarite vow. I have a covenant, and he said, I've been in that covenant ever since I was born. He said, his hair is his covering, right? Are you following me? And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 15, it says that the hair was given a, a woman for her covering. Paul is speaking here in 1 Corinthians, and he is saying that a man is to cover his wife as her hair covers her head. In other words, he's talking about a covenant relationship where that there is a covering that you come underneath. And he said that that hair is a, a shadow or a type of relationship of covenant that you are in with your spouse. And so Paul speaks about that and says, if you cut off your hair, if you cut off that covenant, if you cut off that covering, then you're going to be in trouble. You're going to be embarrassed. Can I tell you tonight, my brothers and sisters, that any time that we, we don't follow the covenant, any time that we cut off the covenant, any time that we choose not to get under covering and be in relationship, we are going to have difficulty and trouble on our way. And we need to understand the value of covenant. We need to understand the value of being covering, covered. Amen. Now, I know America don't understand nothing about covenant. They don't understand nothing about being under a covering. But let me tell you, I'm, I've heard some people say, well, I don't need no pastor. Well, sh you know, sheep need a pastor, but goats don't. But if you're a sheep, you need a pastor. You need a covering. Come on. You need somebody that will cover you. In the house of God, in spiritual things. It isn't just for you to, to say, well, you need a covering. Everybody needs a covering. Everybody needs somebody to cover them. And Samson lost his power when he cut his covering off. When he cut that covenant relationship, when he broke his covenant, the power that he once enjoyed dried up in his life. 
Amen. Samson said, I know what I'll do. I'll, I, I'll do what I, I know that I've broken this covenant. I know that I have removed the covering that I once enjoyed. But out of his arrogance, he still goes and says, I'll shake myself, go out there as times before, and it'll just be like it's always been. But he made a, under, a realization that when he shook himself, he said, the glory has departed from me. Amen. It's not uh, what you've had, but it's what you got. Amen. You've got to understand, as I've already mentioned, that if you're going to rem- carry the anointing that you've had in days past, then you've got to do what it takes to receive that anointing. If you're going to walk in the blessing and the favor of God, then you've got to keep that relationship and that covering that has brought that blessing into your life. Amen. You see, even uh, uh, success can be dangerous when you rest in what you have had and what experience you've had and not what you have. You can be uh, gullible and you can think that I'm okay and I've got it together, but I want to tell you that as much as I love testimony time, I'm not so much concerned about what God has done as what he is doing now. Amen. If we have a testimony of what God has done, we ought to also be able to testify about what God is doing in the now. Amen. Thank God he delivered me yesterday. Thank God he gave me joy six months ago. But I want to tell you today that in him I still live and move and have my being. In him today he's making a way. Today he is causing revelation and understanding to come to me that in my darkest hour he still gives me joy. He still gives me peace. Even when I can't figure it out, he's still God and I trust him 100%. Amen. Have you concluded as some have that your past experience with God is enough for you? Now, the religious answer for that would be no, there's still more of God. But our actions speak louder than our words. Amen. The best experience with God is somewhere not in your past, but it is still yet in your present. You have to understand tonight, brothers and sisters, that that the best is always kept for the last. It is biblical that the latter house shall be greater than the former house. Amen. He said the latter of a thing shall be greater than the former thing. He always, he, God is not a God of regression. He is a God of progression. He, he, if he'd have brought grace before he brought the law, there would not been a need for a law, but we'd have had the grace. But he brought the law so that we'd understand we need grace. Amen. But grace is greater. He said there is a far more greater covenant that has now come. Are you walking with me tonight? Amen. And so he leaves the, the best for the last. They, they left the, 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 the wine. You remember the story at the wedding? And he left the best wine for the last, right? And I'm telling you today that what we have experienced in God, some people look, and and I'm not being disrespectful, but some people look at the day of Pentecost as if it is the epitome of, of the experience that you can have in God. I thank God for the day of Pentecost, but it was the mere beginning of something great that God was going to release into the earth. 
And now that we are here, it is that gift that God has given us that we can do greater things than what Jesus did. He said, because I go to my Father, greater works than these shall you do. Because I go to my Father in heaven. And so this last day, I thank God for Peter, James, and John. I thank God for the Apostle Paul. I thank God for those who have walked it out and we have got the book before us. But I'm telling you that there is an Acts chapter 29 that is yet to be written. And I want to declare to you tonight that I want to be a part of it. I don't want to be a part of people regressing and talking about regurgitating what they've done in the Bible. I want to have that experience for myself that I know God personally. I have a revelation of who he is and he is working perpetually in my life. Amen. But some have concluded that the best days are behind them. Amen. I have a good friend, good friend, and he tells me all the time, I just wish we could go back to the good old days. And I ask him, what are the good old days? He tells me that that Coke was a quarter, but I said, did you have a quarter? He tells me about the great moves of God and the anointing of God and the spirit of God. And I said, that's great. But I said, you know, that's what God builds upon. We, we don't, he don't give us something and then we experience it and then, whoop, I, I messed up. I shouldn't have given you that much. Let's back up. See if you can live with less. This ain't the government. Come on, somebody. This is God we're talking about. And so whatever we have experienced up till now, that ought to be the, the, the platform. That ought to be the foundation for which we build upon going forward. Amen. The greatest revelation, the greatest time you close your eyes and begin to think about the goodness of God and how you've experienced God in your life. Amen. And you come to that conclusion of what that greatest time was in your life. You ought to put your spiritual heels in that sand right there and say, I'm not going to settle for anything less the next days of my life, but I am going to build upon this anointing. I'm going to build upon this experience. I'm going to build upon this manifestation and I'm going to experience God in a greater level than I have ever experienced him before. Amen. You see, your best experience with God is not somewhere in your past, but it's yet to be revealed unto you. My question is, are you still standing awestruck at God? Are you still amazed how little you know about him? Do you still believe what Paul said? I know you thought I forgot my text, don't you? I'm getting around to it. Do you still believe what Paul said? Eyes have not seen. Our ears have not heard. Neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Or have you settled for what has been? Is what... Uh, shall be still what has been? Or do you really believe that my eyes have not yet seen? My ears have not yet heard. I can't even, can't even muster up enough to dream big enough in my heart to believe what God has in store for me. 
Amen. Whenever you get finished dreaming your wildest dream and believing God for the biggest thing that your faith can stand up and say, I believe you for. God said that don't even scratch the surface of what I've got for you. Amen. He is bigger than what you can dream. He is bigger than what you can fathom. Your eyes still have not seen what he has prepared for you. Your ears cannot believe what he has for you. But you've got to dare to believe that. You've got to believe that he's not just the the big God of the God of the Bible, but he is big in your life and that he will do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you're able to ask or even think according to the power that is working within you. Amen. And so we've got to have a, a mindset that there is something ahead that I have yet to have. Amen. Look at your neighbor and tell him it's not what you've had, it's what you of God. Amen. You can't even dream big enough to fathom what God's got for you. Martha and Mary were heartbroken because they were basing what could be done by what they had seen done in the past. You remember the story? Martha and Mary Friends of Jesus, their brother Lazarus is nigh unto death. And the Bible said that, that they came and told him, your friend Lazarus is nigh to death. And he, what does he do? He said, I'll get there when I get there. It's true. And, and the Bible said that Lazarus died, right? And Martha and Mary went into mourning because their greatest understanding of who Jesus was is that he was a healer. And they believed that Jesus could heal their brother if he could get there quick enough. So what Martha and Mary had in mind was a healing, but what Jesus had in mind was a resurrection. And in order for there to be a resurrection, there had to be a death. Come on, somebody. And so their mind couldn't get around this. They thought it was too late. They thought that it went as far as it could go. And now all hope was gone because they only had a understanding of what they had seen Jesus do in the past. And so they brought that into their present situation and assumed that that is all that Jesus could do. Amen. But when he got there, as you know, in reading this story, amen, we know the story story from this side of it. Amen. But whenever he got there, he was now dead for three days and he's laying there and rigor mortis had done set in and all of that mess and all hope was gone. But Jesus said, I've come today, Martha and Mary, not as the Jesus that you seen yesterday, but I've come to show you something, flex my muscles in a different way and reveal something to you that you have yet to see. And I believe for the body of Christ, that there is a a, a move of God. There is a move of his spirit that he is wanting to flex his muscles and reveal his power in a way that we have yet to see. But the problem is we have just settled for yesterday's blessing. We have settled for what has been. But God is wanting to show us what he can do right now. Amen. And so in order for us, for him to show us what he can do right now, we've got to go through some things. We have, oh, hallelujah, have it never.
never gone through before. But the fact that you're going through something you've never gone through before is a testimony that God wants to reveal himself in a way that you have never seen him before. Amen. And don't allow your yesterday's experience to stop you from believing that the Jesus of today is able to deliver you and set you free, give you hope in this present situation and say, I'm coming up out of this because some way and somehow Jesus is going to come and deliver me in this situation. Hallelujah. Amen. But you see, that's the reason we get discouraged and we start talking negative because we base what God will do upon now on our experience of what he has done. But eyes have not seen and ears have not heard and it hasn't even entered into your heart what God has in store for you, his people. Glory to God. The woman that had an issue of blood, the Bible says in Luke chapter 8, Mark chapter 5, and Matthew chapter 9, all record the story of this woman who had an issue of blood, right? I read back through them today, and none of them suggest that she had knowledge that Jesus had ever healed anybody with an issue of blood before. But she had a revelation that Jesus was a healer. And that revelation of Jesus as healer brought her to a place in her faith to believe God, no matter if he had done it before or not, that he would do it for her now. Hallelujah. Don't say that the Holy Spirit whispered in her right ear and said, if you touch his garment, everything going to be all right. It don't say that God or Jesus said, if you touch me, it'll be. She said in herself, she, she, she got a revelation that Jesus was a healer, amen, and she began to operate in that revelation of who he was and said, I know that he, if I touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. That was her miracle moment. That was her moment of faith, to release her faith. That's the reason why we lay hands on people. It's not so that we can say that we're super spiritual or, or we can see people fall out or what whatever. It, it, all of those things. Praise God. There's a manifestation whenever God's presence comes. Sometimes you can't stand under his glory. But let me tell you, it ain't all about that. What it is, is a moment for you to activate your faith, to release your faith and say, when the laying on of hands comes, I'm going to receive that word that has been spoken into my life and I'm going to release my faith for it to be done. This woman was operating in an act of revelation that she did not have any knowledge of. Are you with me? You know, there's a difference between knowledge and revelation. Jesus asked a question, who do men say that I am, the Christ son of the God am? And they said, some say you're John. Some say you're Apollos. Some say you're John the Baptist raised from the dead. Knowledge, right? But who do you say I am, Peter? And he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And what does he say? He said, that ain't knowledge, that's revelation. 
He said, because that didn't come from you reading in a book. That didn't come from what somebody else taught you. But he said, flesh and blood has not given that to you. But he said, that has come, revelation has come through the Spirit. And upon this revelation that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail. It had never, this revelation had never been released yet before. But Peter speaks up and he isn't talking about what he read in a book. He's talking about a revelation that he received from Father God who Jesus was. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, you need knowledge. Get all the knowledge you can get. But I want to tell you when revelation comes, revelation will trump your knowledge. And your knowledge may say, I'm sick and I'm going to die. But revelation comes and says, I'm the Lord God who has healed you. Amen. Knowledge says that you're broke, busted, and disgusted. But God says, I am the God that supplies all of your needs according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That is a revelation that you can build upon and it trumps the knowledge that the enemy will try to tell you you're bound by this knowledge. But when revelation comes, it will trump what you have known by men. This lady walks in a revelation that had not yet, say yet, Revelation that had not yet been fulfilled. The Lord spoke to me about this back in the first of the year when I was preaching on acceleration. And I was studying and, and, and the time wasn't to release it. But I want to share it with you tonight. Because this was before the cross. It wasn't until by his stripes that we are healed, that we could claim the healing for our bodies. Are you walking with me? But this woman got a revelation of what Jesus was going to do, who he was. Amen. And when she got a hold of that revelation, she brought it into her now that said, if you're going to do it, over there if you're able to do it then I'm going to bring it into my now because I don't know if I can make it till then have you ever got in something and you said I don't know if I can make it till then I I need it now I I need that revelation. I I need it now in my life. I need God to work now in my life. I need to hear from heaven now in my life. Amen. And so what she did is she got a hold of a revelation that was for yet another generation yet to come. And she got a hold of that revelation and she brought it by faith into her now. And she said, when I touch his garment, I am going to be made whole. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And it was what she had but it's what she has now amen because what she had was sickness and affliction what she had the doctors couldn't fix what she had nothing was helping her but now she gets a hold of a revelation from God that Jesus is the by his stripes they will be healed so he must be the healer now and she grabs a hold of that word and said I don't need him to stop I don't need him to lay hands on me nobody needs to beat him till he bleeds I tell you what I 
I'll do. I'll just slip over there and touch the hem of his garment. And when I touch him, that virtue is going to flow through my body and I am going to be made whole. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I want to tell you today that whenever you get a hold of revelation, everybody don't have to agree with you. When you get a hold of revelation, you don't have to even understand it all. But whenever it is from God, you can get a hold of that revelation and bring it into your now and it'll begin to operate and work in your life and God will do something that no man can ever do for you. Oh, hallelujah. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has yet in store for his people. She had a revelation of who Jesus was and she brought that revelation into her now. And you'll never do that if you believe you have already seen the best of God in your life. Am I telling it right? When a sports player thinks his best days are over, what does he do? He retires if he's got any sense. And he reminisces the rest of his life about what has been. But my brothers and sisters, that's not the way it is in the kingdom of God. There is still yet a revelation of God that we have yet to see. There is still a work in the earth that God is yet to do. There is a manifestation of power, great. Most done. Amen. He's not holding back to say, I can't give it to you because you can't handle it. He's holding back until we're hungry for it. And what has happened is we have settled for the crumbs of yesterday instead of hungering a revelation of who he is yet to be. And God isn't a God of waste. He, he don't, you know, you don't, you don't charge a battery that don't work. You don't put gas in a car that don't run. And God's not a God of waste. If you are satisfied with what you know about God, your revelation of him and, you, and what he has done in your life, then that's all you're going to get. But if you're still hungry, if you still believe the words of Paul that my eyes have not yet seen, and my ears have not yet heard, and it hasn't even entered into my heart yet what God has for me, but I'm going to look for it. I'm hungry for it. I'm desiring for it. I want more of who he is. Amen. You, you, you've got to keep pushing. You've got to keep pressing. You've got to keep looking. You've got to keep listening for, for the revelation of who Jesus is. And if you'll keep pressing, keep looking, and keep listening, he's revealing himself daily to those who are hungry. Amen. 
And what, what happens is, is sometimes we, we get satisfied with a revelation of who, who Jesus is and what we have learned until that when he reveals something new and fresh about himself, we don't even think that's God because we haven't heard it before. But how many know there's more to him than what you have comprehended? There's more to him than what you have seen or what you have heard. And it's not about what you've had. Thank God if you've laid hands on the sick and seen them recover. Thank God if you've, you've uh, laid hands and delivered the oppressed. Thank God if you've seen miracles in days past. But what about now? Is your relationship with God turned into a has-been? Or do you still enjoy His presence today? As wonderful as salvation is, and we ought to celebrate the day we were saved. Amen. But that ought not be the greatest day of our life. We ought to get to know him in greater dimensions and greater levels. It is the greatest. And don't leave here saying I've said something I haven't. It is the greatest what day in our lives in the fact that we have come out of darkness into his marvelous light. But that is the least revelation that we ought to operate in the rest of our life. We ought to know him in greater dimensions and greater levels than we have ever known him before. Let me ask you again, do you still believe your eyes have not seen, your ears have not heard, and you have not yet entered into your heart the things that God has in store for you? If you do, then there has to be a hunger in your heart. If you do, there has to be a passion within you that says, I believe. There's still more for me. Amen. I've got the saints here tonight, right? I'm going to pastor you just a minute while they come to play for us. Get ready for the altar service. The last few Sundays... We, we thank God that people come forward Sunday and, and give their life to Christ. And, and we celebrate that. We thank God for that. Uh, but I want to go back a couple of Sundays. And Sundays prior to that, uh, you know, the message was for us that hunger and thirst and, and be involved. And I give invitations for people that were hungry for more of God. And a handful of you come, and I thank God for that. And I'm not here to beat you down, but there's something down in me that stirred that said... Uh, God, we got to get hungry again. Just because I've been saved this long is a no sign at all that I can't still learn more about God. That there isn't yet a revelation of Him that I should be hungry for and passionate for. And I'm not beating you tonight. I, I've had pastors beating that beating don't do no good. Just makes you feel like a dog. But I'm pastoring you to tell you, don't settle for what has been. Because there's a God that still is. And what we have seen in days past don't even compare to the weight of the glory that is yet to be revealed where? In us. Amen. 
I don't know if this is helping anybody tonight or not, but it's just the word that the Lord's stirring in me in my private time, saying, Brian, don't settle for what has been. Because there's still yet a weight of glory to be revealed. There's still a revelation that is yet to be unfolded. And I'm just looking for hungry people. Hungry people get fed. Come on. I said hungry people get fed. And I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Let me tell you, I don't know about anybody, but I'm pastor, I'm hungry. I thank God for what has been. Amen. I don't want to waste a lot of time, but I, I've seen blind eyes open. And the blind begin to read. I've seen the deaf ears unstop. When we was in Africa, those that went with us, some of them, 16 years, one man was deaf and God instantly opened his ears. Six of them that one night. I've seen the crippled leap for joy. And I've seen hundreds and thousands of people redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. But can I tell you, as much as I rejoice about all of that, there's something in me that says I'm hungry for more of God. Is there anybody hungry tonight for more of Him? Is anybody here tonight that just say, I- I've got a revelation of who he is and I can't wait till someday. I- I- God, I've got to bring you into my today. I need you to move in my life today. I want you to work in my life now. I don't want to be satisfied with what has been, but God, be real in me now. Amen. Stand with me tonight, if you would, please. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I want us tonight. The Spirit of God is stirring in your heart, stirring in your spirit. And you just want to say yes to the word tonight. Say yes to the word over your life. Just come in agreement with that word that God, there is more. More, there's more, there's more. There's a revelation that I want. There's there's passion that I'm hungry for more of you.